Report shows rotten wood was the culprit behind a footbridge collapse in Winnipeg. Air Canada pilot is fired after harassment campaign organized by American Group. The Gatineau prison has the highest number of inmates who were homeless and jailed because they couldn't pay municipal fines. And Greece tries to stop Albania's application to the EU over land issues in Albania. Good morning. It's Thursday, October 12th. I'm Nora. Here are your headlines. First, we start at Fort Gibraltar in Winnipeg. Remember that wooden bridge that collapsed back in May, injuring children, including causing critical injuries? Well, Radio-Canada has obtained documents that reveal what the issues were that caused the thing to collapse. The report from CBC's Caitlin Gowerluck says that a rotten support beam, carpenter ants, and several other issues weakened the bridge. These details were gathered after the walkway collapsed. Raymond Guerin, the former chief operating officer for the Festival du Voyageur, said that the walkway, quote, required constant upkeep, unquote. Each year, rot forced them to change several planks on the elevated wood walkway. Now, what's a bit strange about Gowerluck's article is that the first mention of those who were injured, she refers to them as people. And yeah, okay, they were people. But of the 18 people who were injured, 17 were children and one was an adult. Of the children, they were between the ages of 10 and 11. 10 and 11-year-olds falling due to a collapsed bridge just, I don't know, hits differently than people. She details how many children were injured further down the article and says that they were from St. John's Ravens Court School on a field trip. When the kids fell, three of them were so badly injured that they were transferred to hospital in unstable condition. The owner of the site is the city of Winnipeg, and it's managed by the Festival de Voyageur. One of the parents sued the site over the incident. The last time the site had been repaired was in 2004, and the city had last inspected it in 2006. In case you're wondering what that is in kid years, none of the children who were on the bridge when it collapsed were alive when it was last inspected. Of the children, it sounds like most who had serious injuries had to have orthopedic surgeries, And it sounds like at least one child may have enduring disabilities as a result. The board of the Festival de Voyageur has decided that the best way forward is to just tear down the walkway and the palisade that surrounds it. Next, Air Canada has fired a pilot who posted images of himself at a Palestinian rally this past weekend in Montreal. His posts said F Israel. Actually, aside, I don't know if you noticed, but I don't swear on this podcast. It's because it gets played on some campus radio stations and that makes us subject to the CRTC. So F spelled out Israel and showed him wearing red, white and green, which CTV's Joe Lofaro says are, quote, pro-Palestinian colors, unquote, lest they be mistaken as pro-Italian colors. He had a sign that put Israel's flag in the garbage and said that Israel should burn in hell. Things that Air Canada may not agree with, but hardly something grievous enough to fire a pilot over. The man's name is Mustafa Edzo, and Lofaro quotes Edzo's union, the Airline Pilots Association, and it doesn't sound like they're going too hard for Edzo. They remind members that they need to abide by, quote-unquote, this principle, though which principle they refer to isn't clear, as the previous sentence just says that they condemn all violence and hatred and any promotion thereof. Edzo doesn't exactly promote hatred or violence. 
an American group led the harassment campaign against ETSO. What the article doesn't mention is how white Air Canada pilots tend to be and how this attack on a racialized pilot has to be seen in that sense. That if you are in the minority and have an opinion informed by your existence as a minority, it's a bit rich for your employer to fire you for those opinions, especially when your profession is overwhelmingly white. Next to Gatineau, where the Hull prison has far and away more inmates who were there because they were homeless and couldn't afford to pay the fines than any other prison in Quebec. This is according to new data from the Minister of Public Security. The penal code was amended in 2020 to prohibit imprisoning anyone who was homeless because they couldn't pay fines. But according to numbers obtained by Radio-Canada, between June 2020 and January 2023, 71 people were imprisoned at the Hull facility who had been homeless and who couldn't pay their fines. Journalist Julien David Pelletier compares this to the Saint-Jérôme Detention Centre, where 21 people who were homeless were sent there for not paying their fines over the same period. In Bordeaux and Rivière-des-Prairies, both facilities in Montreal, the total number of people who are prisoned for the same reason combined is 14. David Pelletier spoke to David Bonfont, who was sentenced to 90 days in prison for not being able to pay $5,000 in fines that he collected while homeless. In fall 2020, Gatineau's municipal court issued nearly 6,000 imprisonment mandates out to people who were homeless for not having paid their fines, though not everyone in the Hull prison is there because of a decision made by the municipal court. On Tuesday, a judge ruled in favor of a class action that was trying to suspend 1,600 orders of imprisonment for various irregularities. The judge presiding was Judge Catherine Maldeville. In some cases, there were technical problems, like people not being formally convoked to court. Bonfant doesn't know if he will get money as part of the class action, but what he really wants is just somewhere to live. Quote, If I could have one, I'd like one. I don't have any credit, so it's very difficult for me to get an apartment. Last year, I spent all of winter outside. Unquote. And finally, to a beef between Greece and Albania. Greece is threatening to stop Albania's application to join the European Union. Back on May 11th, an ethnic Greek mayoral candidate in the town of Humer in Albania was imprisoned. The town has a large ethnic Greek population. The candidate, Fred Bileri, was elected from prison. He was not sworn in because the courts have rejected five applications to have him released or to let him be sworn in from prison. Bileri only won by 19 votes, and the court accuses him of buying eight votes. His son accuses the prime minister of Albania, Edi Rama, of interfering in the election and convincing people to vote against Bileri. His primary opponent was Giorgo Goro. He was the incumbent mayor and Rama and Goro are both members of the Socialist Party. At the heart of this struggle, according to the party called the Democratic Union of the Greek Minority, the Socialist government wants to, quote, destroy the property ownership structure, unquote, in Himer. The town is on a beautiful part of the Adriatic coast and ethnic Greeks own most of the real estate. Rama wants to develop it to promote tourism. Bileri accuses Rama of wanting to help his clients who stand to make money if resorts are made. Rama refused to be interviewed by Al Jazeera for this article, saying that he was, quote, fed up with this nonsense, unquote. And he added, quote, Albania is not the Soviet Union and Bileri is not Alexander Solzhenitsyn, but a guy under arrest for corruption charges in a democratic country, unquote. He said he didn't know that Bileri would be arrested. 
Albania was communist until 1991, and under communism, land was collectivized. When communism ended, there was a rush to parcel up land, including from people who wanted land back from before 1945. The Albanian government created a process for people to make claims over land that they said that they had owned as long as they have paper proof. Though, as you can imagine, the process has been a bit of a mess. In Himer, 8,000 requests for land were made. 8,000 requests in a town of 10,000 people. Okay. 8,000 requests for land were made by people who claimed ownership from past papers. Most of the requests were made by ethnic Greeks, but only 30 claims have been processed. Five for people who are Greek. The article then quotes the leader from the Democratic Union of the Greek Minority, again, Vangelis Doulas, who likens this to um, ethnic cleansing. Quote, there's no declared plan for ethnic cleansing that can be proven, but when someone can't own their property, can't develop their property, and can't elect their chosen representative, doesn't that lead to an exodus? Unquote. I mean, buddy, ethnic cleansing? Ugh. The communists were right. Collectivize the land. No one should be fighting over this. <laughs> Those are your headlines for Thursday, October 12th. You're listening to this podcast at sandyandnora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, Saturday, two days from now, we're in Toronto for a live show. You're going to want to be there if you can get there. You can still get your tickets at thepointofsale.com. Just search at the point of sale for Sandy and Nora Live. Hope to see you there and I hope you have a great rest of your Thursday.